Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 This morning, I can identify fully with the psalmist in Psalm 45, verse 1, where he starts off that great psalm by saying, My heart is stirred by a noble theme. Hallelujah. This morning, my heart is stirred by a noble theme. And it all began last week when Brother Eugene brought us a word on the fatherhood of God. And he spoke to us about the legacy. that he, gave, he spoke about fatherhood, right? About fathers. He spoke about the legacy that fathers leave for their children. I think you spoke about three main things. They leave an inheritance, they leave a, a good example, and then they also leave what? A good name. Yes, a good name, a good example, and an inheritance. Hallelujah. So from that message last Sunday, I began dwelling on the word, and I shifted it to the fatherhood of God. And in my mind, I began to test these parameters with God our Father. What inheritance has he left us with? Has God been a good father? Has he left us with an inheritance? Has he left us with a good example? Has he left us with a good name? And I am glad to announce to you this morning that I found that in every area, our God has been a good, good father. Hallelujah. He's been a good, good father. And I began to dwell on it and ask myself questions. If God has left us such an inheritance... How come that many of us are not really enjoying it? Are we fully walking in the inheritance that God has left us? I couldn't answer with confidence that yes, I am. And I wonder how many of us will say we are fully walking in all that God has left with us. And so, on Thursday for our Bible study, I led us in a bit to journey into these promises of God and how we might inherit them more fully. At the back of that, I was asked to bring a word this morning. So my hope and my trust, my prayer is that as I bring this word, there will be spirit and there will be life to us. The goal is that God will stir us up so that we begin to appropriate more fully all that he has given us in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Because he is a good, good father. He has left us a great inheritance. He has left us a good example. He has left us a good name, a great identity in Christ. It's for us to possess the inheritance. It's for us to assess it. It's for us to, to work it out in our lives. And even to do that, we'll be discovering that it's not going to be by our own works and efforts at all. But he has made the way for us. Amen. So Father, this morning we ask that you will come and open the eyes of our understanding. Open the eyes of our hearts, oh God. Bring revelation bring deep insight that we might fully possess all that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to be looking at it in um, let's say four steps. Mainly scriptures to just prove that he really has given us a lot and we can claim it. So have your Bible study caps on. I'm going to begin in terms of the promise or the testament or the will. What has God promised us? 
what has he left us in his will? What is the testament, his final testament for us? What is it? And then we'll look at our experience. Then I want to look at our frustrations. You will see that in the frustrations of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. You will see that in the frustration of the apostles as well. And I believe there are times when in your own life you have experienced that frustration. The frustration of, you know, not being to able to fully possess what you know is rightfully yours. And then finally, the transformation. So that's what we're going to be looking at, mainly with scriptures. Hallelujah. So my first scripture is Galatians 4, 1 to 7. And truth is, it was difficult to tell, to choose what text, because it's like the whole Bible can actually prove the faithfulness of God. The whole Bible is about his, his promises for us and how we inherit them. Hallelujah. So I chose this one eventually. It says that Galatians 4, 1 to 7. What I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. Take note, he owns the whole estate, and yet he is no different from a slave as long as he is under age. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees and to the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Hallelujah. He became our father, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Verse, verse 6. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave. By God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Hallelujah. This cuts across for all Christians. If only you are in Christ, if you have been adopted into the family of God, if you are born again, he says that you are an heir of God. So God is a good, good father. He has left all of his children an inheritance. Hallelujah. Nobody is left out. You also and air. First Peter 1, 3-4. It says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Some versions say for life, right? All that he's given us for, for life and godliness. So his divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through this, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So again, we find here there's an inheritance for the children of God. Having become part of his family, he not only called us in to become his children or sons, he actually has changed our very nature so that now we have become participants of the divine nature. We've become like God. We are not merely human anymore. There's something of divinity inside every one of us. That's why it says, we become participants that you may participate in the divine nature. This is God's inheritance for us. He's given us himself. He's given us his identity. He's given us his very DNA so that now we have become not only human, but we are divine as well. Because the Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit is God, He is divine. John 1, 12 to 13. 
Yet to all who did, who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Hallelujah. The message translation is very interesting. He says they have become God-begotten. He says not well-begotten, not sex-begotten, not human-begotten. He says they become God-begotten. Hallelujah. We have been born of God. Something of God has been deposited in us. Something has changed within us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. A totally new being comes into this world when Christ comes into a person. The old goes away completely and something divine, something new comes into us. So brothers and sisters, if we are in Christ, we are a special breed. We are a different race. We'll be seeing that later on. God is in us. We are participants of the divine nature. So we are not merely human beings anymore. We are not merely men and women in the natural sense of the world. We are different because the seed of God is in us. We become partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So the same truth, a really noble theme running through here, that something changed when we were included in Christ. And that happened when we had the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation. He said, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. Something changed when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal. And he says that seal is none than the Holy Spirit of God himself. God himself. And he says he's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Again, he's left us a great inheritance. So God has really shown us in the word again and again that he has left us a great inheritance. He has left us a legacy. Colossians 2.10 And our own completeness is now found in him. And our own completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. And our own completeness, not 98% satisfaction of fullness, not 99.9, complete fullness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. This is what the word of God tells us. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. 1 John 4, 17. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Are you, are you seeing what the scriptures say about us? We are no ordinary human beings. Something happened. There was a change. There was a switch. The moment we came into Christ, in the spirit, something changed about us. God filled us. 
He took possession of us. We were regenerated. We were given his DNA. So now we are participants of the divine nature. We are no more merely humans. He says that because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Let that sink in. You are like Jesus in the world. He left a good example. He left a good name. And as he is, so are we. John 14, 12. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these because I go to be with my father. What an example he left us. He says, the things I did, you will also do. You will do even greater things than these. So we are not expected to live this life as ordinary men and women. We are special. We are different. We've been given a legacy. We've been given an inheritance. He's given it to us. When you hear this word, something just happens in you. You begin to think, wow, so I have all these? I have all these? Luke 7, 28. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet he who, he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What does that mean? Elijah, Elisha, Moses, Abraham, all these mighty people, David, all the mighty things they did. Jesus says that none of them is up to John the Baptist in terms of power and glory and honor and everything. And yet he says that the least person in the kingdom of God, the least person among the born again, the least person among the sons of God is greater than John the Baptist. So where do we stand in relation to Elijah and Elisha and Abraham and Moses and all that? Think about it. Who are we? Who are you? What is our heritage? What have we inherited? What has been given to us? It's mind-blowing, isn't it? Yet, the, yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And he is greater than all the people before, all the prophets before him. We are no little people. We are great people. The moment we come into Christ Jesus, we are transformed. Something happens within us. That makes us not merely human, but that makes us participants of the divine nature. So that God is in us. 1 Timothy 6.17 Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. What is our heritage? What has he left us? Everything. Everything for our enjoyment. Hallelujah. So that is the promise. That is what the word of God says. Now the question is, what is our experience? Are we walking in these promises? Are we exhibiting the power that's at work within us? Are we seeing the divine at work in our lives and the lives of people around us? Are we influencing things around us as we should? I don't think so. In my own experience, there's some frustration. Why? 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 And the apostles express similar frustrations as well. 
In fact, almost all of Paul's letters were expressions of a deep hunger for us, God's children, to realize who we are and to live up to it. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. And he's talking about the church. Mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? That's what I like about it. Are you not acting like mere humans? That, that suggests that Paul doesn't think we are mere humans. We are above that. We are above carnality. When he says worldly, he's talking about being carnally minded. Seeing things from a worldly point of view. Making judgments based on our five senses. And what the world offers us. The systems of this world. We are worldly. We are carnally minded. He says, you are, you are still spiritually baby, so there's so much I can't tell you. And if these things are happening among you, does it not prove that you are still merely humans? Do, do you get a frustration in there? Do you, do you feel it? His friend said, by this time, you shouldn't be this way. You should be higher than where you are now. So there's a frustration there. Are you not acting like mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? So he's saying that the church is not a, a company of mere human beings. We are not. We are divine beings. We have the spirit of God inside of us. So yes, we are human, but we are also divine. We become partakers of the divine nature. The Holy Spirit is within us. And so our conduct, our attitude, our beliefs should be above the base human, you know, ways of behaving and thinking. We should be on a different plane. We should learn to think as people of the Spirit of God. Are you not mere human beings? This really spoke to me. The apostle doesn't think Christians should be mere human beings because we are not. Because of what God has put inside of us. 1 Corinthians 3.21 So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours. That's our inheritance. All things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are of Christ. And Christ is of God. We are of Christ. And Christ is of God. So we are of God. We've become a God kind of people. We are not mere human beings anymore. Psalm 82 verse 6. I said you are gods. You are all sons of the Most High but you will die like mere mortals. You will fall like every other ruler. You hear the frustration of God's heart here, that his children are still living as mere humans. We don't understand that we are meant to be different in this world, that the whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And we are so busy trying to be like the whole world, and they are waiting for us to grow up from being spiritual babies to a place where we understand that we are sons of God, that we might begin to manifest it. The whole world is waiting, groaning for the revelation or the manifestation of the sons of God. Brothers and sisters, we are not mere human beings. 
then let's see Jesus' own frustrations. Matthew 6.30 if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Matthew 6.30. Matthew 8.26. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Matthew 14.31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Matthew 16, 8. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do, do, you, do you hear the frustration of Jesus' heart here? You also hear it in his parables. He wants us to get to a certain level of faith where we are living beyond, you know, the, the ordinary in the parables of the, the parable of the prodigal son, you hear that as well. The father said to the elder son, you do not understand my son. All I have is yours. That's the frustration Jesus was expressing of the father. We don't understand what our inheritance is. And so the son was complaining. I have served you all these years. You never even killed a little goat for me to eat. But that son of yours, that bad boy came back. You're making a feast for him. The father said, son, you do not understand. All I have is yours. You could have killed a goat or a cow every day. It's all yours. It's your inheritance. It's your heritage. And because you're spiritually still a little child, you are struggling for crumbs and crying that I haven't given you a baby goat. When all this time, all I have is yours. So it's not the Apostle Paul who's telling us this. Jesus said the same thing. That when we are in Christ, the Father gives us a rich heritage. And all the Father has is ours. We become participants of divine nature. So with this frustration, how do we overcome it? What is the answer? How do we receive our inheritance? How do we enter into all that God says is ours? If you listen to the Apostle, if you listen to Jesus, you understand that the answer is faith. He has given us everything by grace. It is not by works so that no one can boast. Freely given in Christ Jesus. But the way we assess it is through faith. And what is faith? Faith is an understanding, a mindset, a way of seeing things. That is not based on mere human understanding but that is based on the spirit so that we can be told that faith is what the substance of things hoped for is that not so and the certainty of things not seen or is it the other way around I keep mixing them that is, it's, you don't see it it's not there but in the spirit you are certain of it for many people, it's just a hope. But for you, it's more than a hope. It's become substance already. That's why Jesus can say, oh, you of little faith. So theoretically, we, we know that, yes, I have power. I can calm the storm. I can do this. I can pray for that sickness to go. I can do this. I can do that. Theoretically, it's there. But it hasn't reached a place where there's a certainty about it. All our benefits, blessings in Christ Jesus can only be assessed through faith. 
That's what the apostle told us about even our own righteousness. It's been given to us as a grace gift as well. But how do you assess it? He says, reckon yourselves dead to sin. It's, it's a reckoning. It's an understanding. It's coming to a place of certainty and conviction that it is true about you. So you now think about yourself that way. It's no more just a hope. It's no more just a wish. There's a certainty about it. There is substance to it. Even though it's not physical yet, even though it's spiritual, you are able to substantiate it within yourself. In your mind, you're able to see it. Reckon yourselves, consider yourselves dead to sin. In the same way, we inherit every promise of God. You reckon yourself healed because by his stripes you are healed. The difference is this. Just like I understood this whole righteousness bit about 30 years ago. Where I was struggling with legalism. How to be right before God. And suddenly I understood the grace of God. I was about 16. From that day, I stopped struggling with sin. From that day, I just accepted the righteousness of God. And I have seen it worked out in my life since then. It was an understanding, a revelation that came from the opening of my eyes by God through his word. I'm now beginning to understand that beyond righteousness, all other things that God gives us by grace are also appropriated by ourselves in the same way. It's not by working hard. It's about being still and knowing that he is God and he has done it. It's about reckoning yourself as a child of God who has inherited it. He's given it to you freely by grace and by faith. Just as you assess your righteousness in him, you assess everything else in him. Romans 8.32 says that if he did not spare his own son, he gave him to you, how much more will he not add all things? And yet it's easy to accept the son and his holiness and righteousness and salvation, but it's difficult to accept the others. I submit to us this morning that it starts with here. So the apostle will often teach in his letters all the basic truths, the doctrine and everything that he begins to tell us that the way to assess it is being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And you find that in all of his letters, there are lots of prayers, lots of prayers, and most of them, the theme is the same. The theme is the same. That the eyes of understanding will be opened. That's what the apostle prayed for all the time. That we begin to understand. That will be given revelation and wisdom to understand what it is that God has given us. My time is almost up now. But I think we should read some of them. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-16. to We read part of it. God's wisdom revealed by the Spirit. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. Take note of that. 
by the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. That is the problem. We don't understand what he has freely given us. We are not able to assess it. So that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit. Explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. Did you hear that again? Not merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It starts with the mind. When the mind is renewed, when we begin to understand what we have, beautiful things happen. Time is gone. You can read Colossians 1, 9 to 12 on your own. But again, he prays that we understand that God has done something within us. And there's a power that he has put within us to help us. Ephesians 1, 13 to 23 says the same. That we understand. And that is my prayer this morning. That God will help us to understand that we have a great inheritance in him. We are not mere humans anymore. He's given us his DNA. We've become partakers of the divine nature. We are the God kind. And he's given us power. And these things are done in us already. We have to understand that. In the spirit, we are complete in him. So everything we need for life and for godliness is complete in him, in us already. Christ is in us. So that we can reach out in faith and allow what is true in the spirit, just like our righteousness and our holiness, all other things will manifest in the flesh as well. Because we have faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Shall we say a word of prayer? And I want us to begin to exercise this truth right now. Just one minute. Exercise this truth. It says that we are complete in him. If there is any particular situation that you are struggling with right now, I want to encourage you. Stop praying, Father, please give me this. Oh, Lord, please give me that. Oh, God, why haven't you given me that? Begin to exercise your new understanding that he has given it to you already in the Holy Spirit through Christ Jesus. When Jesus on that cross said it is finished, he really meant it. He had done all the work. Hebrews 4 says that now we can enter into his rest, but we don't because of unbelief. Today we want to enter his rest. That thing you've been struggling about, that thing you've been praying for, right now begin to declare and bring the promise of God concerning that thing that you know that he has given it to you already. And today you reckon yourself as having received it in the spirit. Because you are not just a mere human being. We are spirit beings. We are spiritual beings. In the spirit we are renewed, we are whole, we are complete. In the spirit we have all things. So begin to pray now, thanking God for what he has given you in the spirit because of Christ Jesus. Thank him for this great inheritance of healing, of provision, of righteousness, of freedom from addiction, freedom from any kind of sin. You know, you can understand that he has given it to you in the spirit, which you received by faith when you came into Christ Jesus. And now tell him, and begin to declare. Tell your mind, tell your body that what is true of you in the spirit, you accept it. You begin to see it now. And it shall come to pass.
because Christ has done it already. You are not begging him for it. Rather, he looks at you and says, oh, you of little faith, I've already given it to you. My grace has given it all to you. My grace is sufficient for you. Appropriate it. Receive it. Speak it out. Believe it. And receive it. Because he has given it to you if you are in Christ Jesus. You are complete in him. Father, we thank you so much for all that you have done for us. Indeed, you finished it all. We pray that from today, Father, all of us begin to appropriate more and more and walk in our inheritance. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.